everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Savvy Millennial Podcast. We're a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennial entrepreneurs. My name is Maria Wells, and I am your host today. Our today's guest is Rachel David. She's a thought leader in the influencer marketing space. She has worked with some of the biggest online talent and brands in the world and has been able to bring some of the most innovative brand campaigns to life. Rachel has over 10 years of experience working in the media industry. And four years ago, she started her own influencer marketing company, Hashtag Communications. When she's not at the office or creating content for her channel, she's frequent speaker at digital marketing conferences. Rachel is also the director of Buffer Festival Board, which is one of the world's largest YouTube film festivals. When Rachel is not running the business, she's a LinkedIn creator and angel investor in a few tech startups. And with that, please welcome Rachel David. Hello. Thank you, Maria. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, We're happy to have you. Thank you for coming onto the channel. How are you doing today? Well, given that I'm in my about month into quarantine, not to date this too much, but you know, it describes the state I'm in. And for being inside for so long, I'm actually doing pretty well. My skin's look feeling a little bit more flabby because I'm not exercising as much. I am learning how to cook. So you know what? Like you take one, you leave one. What have you been cooking? What's the most exciting recipe you want? to share with us. Yeah, I think you know the answer too. It is my fried chicken recipe. I never knew that you just soak it in milk and a little bit of yogurt, add some egg in there, marinate that uh, with some garlic powder, salt and pepper. And it's just the most amazing bait. The milk in the marinade tears the uh, enzymes and like the, the fibers apart. So you have really juicy, tender chicken. So definitely try that. I love it. Actually, I already have tried that because you posted on your stories, the recipe, and I tried it this week and it's amazing. I can vouch for the recipe. It is fantastic. There you go. Love it. And you did it with salmon and I'm going to try it with everything else. So yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for your cooking channel with Rachel David. Yeah. I'm all about the hacks. I tried pickle juice the other day as a marinade because apparently that works too. So random, but it works. And apparently that's what Chick-fil-A uses. So tried that yesterday. It also works. I mean, if you're planning to start a cooking channel soon, let me know. I will sign up. Only this quarantine. You can only (laughs) tune into my Instagram, Rachel David, and you will see all the cooking for as long as this quarantine is lasting. As soon as it's out, I love my restaurant. This is only like a short-term thing. Love it. Okay, so before we get into everything going on right now, Mm -hmm. I want to take it back and, you know, get a quick background from you, your story, the details about how you ended up with your own company and in the wild media space, everything and anything you want to share. I think the most simple way of putting it is like, I think that I always was attracted to working in the performance arts of some sort. Went to radio school, then I went to school in Vancouver, ended up moving to Toronto when I was about 18, 19 years old. Worked on a few startups that was in the media space, was interviewing all these artists and bands, you know, just kind of doing the grind at a very young age, working in restaurants while I was doing that, building my network. And then eventually I got hired by one of the big telecoms. And that was about 20 years old, 2021 to about 24. It was my dream job. I was on popular TV shows, interviewing all these celebrities flying around the world. I had a clothing budget. Like it was the bee's knees, especially at that age. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity because it allowed me to make, you know, a little bit uh, extra money. Like when I first got into the job field, it was like all the jobs that were being offered to people my age were about half the salary that I was able to get when I was at this company. And I'm not going to name names because like, you know, why? (laughs) I've learned that over time. Why? But 
basically I made a little bit extra. So then I, you know, invested in my first property at a very young age and everything. I just was pretty wise with what I was doing with the money I got because of this opportunity. And then one fateful day, as some people know, because I made my first YouTube video about it, I was let go. And I went through a breakup pretty much the same week, I was about 24, 25. And I was completely, absolutely shell shocked, lost, depressed, can't get out of bed for six months like that level, just incredibly anxiety ridden. And I started making videos because the first thing I did was make a video about it. And then that one video turned into two, turned into 20, turned into 100. And then I started doing brand deals. And it wasn't until I started doing brand deals that I started realizing, well, they didn't really know what they were doing. This was like in 2016, 2015, when it was just getting popular. They didn't really know how to approach a brand campaign properly. All the the ideas were super cringy. And a lot of the agencies and brands didn't really know how to get a hold of a lot of these creators that were just in my network. So I started brokering deals. And then that turned into me starting an agency. And then essentially, like the brands would come to me, give me the entire budget and just be like, make it work. And so I would start structuring the strategy and like all the operations, the logistics of it. And you know, the, the company simply grew into then different areas. I think I started the company in 2016. Yeah, four years ago. And since then, now we have a lot of people that work for the company. I, on a monthly basis, we have about say almost 100 people on payroll. So we got into different areas, not just influencer marketing, we got into live streaming, we got into social media, into consulting, into PR. And everything we do is in the digital space. So that's kind of the long story kind of long in trying to be short way. Yeah, that takes us to today. No, thank you. I love the story. And thank you for sharing all the hard and difficult things too. I know a lot of people and obviously a lot of entrepreneurs are going through difficult times, ups and downs, especially right now, considering Mm -hmm. that you are definitely aware of the fact that life is not linear and sometimes curveballs happen and you just need to recover. As you said, pick yourself up, figure out the next steps. What would be your advice from your personal experience going through things? How did you come out of it? What was your process? Any tips you want to share? That's a really good question. And it's one that I'm very passionate about because when I say that I didn't know my value, I didn't know my worth. When I was let go, I genuinely was like, what will I ever do again? And can I do anything? I was just on TV. Like I felt like my worth was just dressing up and putting on a nice dress and makeup and talking. So I was like, well, there's no other job like that. What if, what can I do? So I think number one is really self-reflect and look at yourself in the mirror and think, what am I good at? And it sounds weird, but like when you really believe and know that you are a capable person, you know, like if someone says, hey, can you send me this or do this? And like, you know how to reach deadlines. Like sometimes you don't know what you're going to be good at or what kind of lies ahead. But if you have the fundamental, like you know how to work, that's number one. And I think also like keep it cool during this time because I did not keep it cool during that time. I freaked the hell out. I was like, I have to live off of bread and cheese. Like I will never forget (laughs) it. I was like, bread and cheese is all I'm going to eat because I don't have any money anymore ever coming in. And like, I thought it was doomsday forever. And I was so petrified by that fear. You know, my family is on the West Coast. I'm the only one in Toronto. I have a little sister here. I want to set a good example, but like, I got to lean on me. And yes, you know, 
I'm lucky I know that there's people to help if I really needed help. But I, I don't want to do that. I felt like I was on top of the world and now I'm piece of shit. That's how I felt. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I kind of regret that I just freaked out so much. Like, and I woke up with such bad anxiety because unfortunately it sometimes comes with experience. But now I've had so many projects like think about when, when you run a business, it's almost like you have like hundreds of jobs, right? And sometimes they come, sometimes they go, sometimes they stay, sometimes they don't. But I realized, holy crap, nothing is forever. You just have to get really good at those low periods. Like I still deal with it. I think it was maybe like a year ago or something like that. We just didn't have anything for a while. And I was like, that's weird. What's going to happen? And, you know, I start getting my heart beating. And for those at home, this whole coronavirus and like people not having their jobs right now, you know, luckily our government is there to support us in some way, even if it's a little bit and use this time to learn a skill. That's the biggest thing I could say. Like I learned how to make YouTube videos. I taught myself everything. I took a year off actually after I was let go and I just learned everything I could about digital marketing. I didn't make a penny and I was just living off of whatever little things I scaled down and it was all about learning. So really take this opportunity to learn. I love it. And you know what you mentioned about, you know, the fact that you regret that you really went very hard on yourself and thought that you were not doing well, because as you mentioned, you were doing really well. You were making more money than a lot of your peers at that time and your property and uh, you were doing really well. I saw a lot of interviews you completed with amazing people and I was admiring you. It was fantastic. And it's interesting to see how, you know, after that, you actually thought you didn't accomplish that much. You could easily think it's a fluke. That's the biggest thing. When even though you have this experience, I think for anybody, especially losing the first time job, you're like, well, maybe it was a fluke that I got that. How am I going to get that again? You know, and also it was really hard. Like in a competitive industry like that, like in television, it took me like years. I had to move across the country and like basically work for free for three years in order to even get that, you know, you just don't know your worth. And I think that's the hardest thing to explain to people is like, you're good. You're actually really good. <laughs> I think you're pretty great. Just, I mean, it, probably my opinion doesn't really matter, but I'm thinking you're pretty great and everybody can check out your content. There's a lot of, a lot of content from you online. And I think it's pretty amazing, uplifting and your energy. I mean, I know you in person, and mm -hmm. in your videos. And it's amazing how it's the same person. You don't oh, change your that. approach. Your energy is always warm and it comes across really well. So that's one thing I admire about you. Definitely. When you started creating your content on YouTube and getting mm -hmm. out there, did you know that social media world will be what it is now? Have you ever imagined this? Yeah, I would be lying if I didn't because I worked in TV since I was like 15. So I volunteered starting at 15 at Shaw TV in Vancouver. I was in this content world for so long. Like even when I studied radio, I was putting out YouTube parodies because I just thought they were funny. And like just for me and like, you know, any like drama performance, I'd always put it on YouTube. And so when this all went down and I got let go, I knew that going back into TV wasn't going to be my option. It just, I knew. And I think that actually, it's been kind of a blessing when it comes to investing, especially angel investing, because you kind of can feel what, where the tide is and what's happening. And now, one of the things that I've learned is, um, and I talk about it once in a while, and it's, it's basically learning to trust your gut. Because it's like, even when it comes to investors, some of the best investors just, you know, they sometimes just don't do well. I've learned to trust myself more. And that's hard, but it's also very important.
Is there a rule you use or any tips you use when you invest in companies? Like what is the first or the first three things you look at the company and figure out whether it's going to be successful or not? Because I'm somebody who built now a company, it's a little bit easier for me because I think I can pick up on certain nuances, but it all starts with the person. You know, I'm thinking of every company, there's about five that I've invested in over the last like two years. And this is the risky thing, you know, like this is, this is not, you know, investing in stocks and bonds and and mutual funds and whatnot. This is like, okay, I'm going to invest in a company that is, you know, not public, totally private startup. Like, how is this going to go? Funnily enough, actually one of my first investments ever. And this was like my friend who I knew because actually I was very, very close friends with him like at one point in our life. And like we kind of grew apart. But what I remembered was his stories about all the adverse things he overcame. And then he became like this next 36, you know, winner. And he went from like absolute the worst to like in such a good position. I'm like, how did, how did he overcome these things? And just knowing that he overcame them, I was like, he's going to overcome anything. So I, it was my first investment. I didn't have so much extra to put in, but I just, you know, put in what I could. And he actually almost didn't want to take my money because he knew that the company was going to do well. And that was another sign because I was like, if he doesn't want to take my money, then that means that there's a reason for that, you know, because he wasn't desperate for it. That's for sure. And he was my friend. So I also could gauge that he wasn't just like lying to me about that. So I gave him the money and I actually got a call last month. And I was like, okay, so like, how's the company doing? Where are we at? And he actually told me that my investment has now 15 times. So 15 times over, not just doubled. I don't know what, not quadrupled, like 15 (laughs) times. And I was like, wow, okay. And actually now this month, he's hired my company to now help them with rebranding and their social media. So now I've actually, I'm making my investment back. It's a funny story. It's top of mind right now, but it's the person that I'm investing in. And probably personal connection, you know, it has to be someone you know quite well, where you definitely know their life story. And like, heck, would I ever put my parents or like a friend of mine in a situation where I was going to lose their life savings? Hell no. So do I really expect like a friend that I've been friends with for like five years to do that too? Hell no. So it's like they're acting with the best intention. And I've actually had friends in my life that have said, no, because I'm like, should I invest in that? And they're like, no, don't do it. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, you'd probably know better than me, but it's all about people. I totally agree with you. But on that note, you mentioned in one of your stories that you Mm -hmm. just recently started getting into stocks. Do you want to discuss that? How is the process? What led you there? Why now? And what kind of companies are you looking for? And how do you learn? Because I know a lot of people right now are obviously trying to figure out what to do next, where to make the money. And unfortunately, the financial literacy for a lot of people is not there. So mm-hmm. how did you get to where you are now? I mean, this is the thing. Am I super into it? No, because I do think there's such a risk involved. Like it, it does feel like a, a little form of gambling to an extent. So I tend to try to be as like conservative as, as I possibly can. But my thought process right now, especially with the coronavirus, is everything is discounted. Like that's the truth. You look at the one year graph and when you see everything was up about 30% higher or 20% higher, I think it's just a matter of knowing that it most likely will bounce back. It's just a matter of time. 
So for me, like my first stock that I bought that I haven't actually talked about publicly, and it was kind of a funny one to be my first one, um, but it was not what I would have expected or anybody else. I think everybody expected, oh, she'd invest in like, you know, a Tesla or like Uber or something like that. And I, I probably will eventually when the price is right. You invested in toilet paper. No, no. I'm investing for long term. We have to keep that in mind. So I have another, a different chunk or like a little bit of extra that I've been saving. And I actually gave it to a very close friend of mine. And he's been doing the day trading because I don't have the stomach for it. And you have to know what you're good at, what you're not. I am not going to be the person who's like, cool, pumping and dumping. That's just not my nature. I also have a company to run. I don't have time to do this. But it works for him because then he has more capital to play with. If he wants to, you know, buy on margin, it's better for him ultimately. Well, both of us, you know, that's for the day stuff. But for long term, one of the first buy I ever made was with Bank of Nova Scotia, because my grandfather and grandmother, they showed me an article about the company and the dividend that it's been paying. And it was, you know, a relatively like safe stock. And I knew that long term, even if it goes lower, eventually it's going to go hopefully higher. And it's safer than some of the others that are going like up and down like crazy right now. So I was just like, you know what, I'll buy a little bit. Did it go down the next day? Yes. And then did it go up the next day? Yes. So I'm like, okay, you know what, this is all very stressful. I don't know if I have the stomach for it. But like, when I see that the market now, I, I don't think I was ready for all that what happened on basically around March 23rd and the market just crashed. I wasn't ready for that. I didn't even have my investment accounts opened. And that's something also to those of you who are thinking of opening up an account to trade with. I'm not sure like, you know, some of the companies like, um, like Quest Trade and like how fast those are. But I opened up my account with RBC because I'm an RBC customer. And I have most of my stuff with them. So I wanted to keep it all in that because it would be easy for me to move funds around. And I swear to God, it took me almost a month to open that up. And it was very frustrating because I tried opening it up earlier. And then as I watched, like I'm watching the stock market crash and everything, it's like I might have wanted to buy at that time. And it was like, I just didn't have all my ducks in line in place. Now, that being said, maybe it was a blessing in disguise, because if I had opened it up earlier, I would have lost a lot too. So now I feel more prepared. So I'm literally just practicing. So if anybody is trying to do this, I say work on opening up the account and then just do like a really small buy and then maybe sell. And then at least you're going through the motion of like, okay, what is the limit? What is the stop? I think once you do your first one, it's like the biggest adrenaline rush I've ever had. And then once you go through the process, buying stuff after is a lot easier. So yesterday it was like, oh, you know, this is really low. Okay, maybe I'll just quickly like put in a, a buy for that. And then it didn't really feel like, oh, I'm so scared. But And I think once I do it like more and more times, uh, it'll get easier. But yeah, just try. And I was smart in the way that I only did that with a little bit at the beginning. Like I'm still waiting. I still think that there's a lot of unknowns ahead of us. I love it. I mean, be always prepared, small amounts and industries that are going to go long term. Mm -hmm. I like it. So now we're going to take a little bit of a pivot because you're so, so, so much engulfed in this whole social media creator space. And there's so many opportunities out there with social media and there's so many channels. There's Instagram, there's YouTube, there's Snapchat, there's Facebook, podcasts, now TikTok. Does Everyone has to do everything. I mean, I know you've mentioned uh, something about creative burnout in one of the talks I've witnessed mm -hmm. you given. How are mm -hmm. you dealing with that? And are there any specific platforms you prefer? Or do you see any opportunities in any specific platform? 
I don't think you have to be on everything, even though other people will disagree. Obviously, more is better. It's like, I call it like, you know, if you're a dog, you're like, you know, pissing all over the place and marking your territory. It's the same sort of thing. That being said, I think it's getting to the point where like, if you want to master something, you do have to make content specific for that platform. So like, for example, I make content for mainly actually LinkedIn. That's my main, like when I'm making a video, I'm thinking about LinkedIn. And then I'm thinking about Instagram second. And then I put that on YouTube and then I put it also on Facebook and I put it on and I put the YouTube link on my Twitter. So it's like that one piece of content kind of works for everything. It just has to be cut down differently, but it doesn't really work that well for TikTok. And I know I could just like I've had in the past just editors like cut it down a bit and post it on TikTok, but it doesn't really flow that well. Maybe I just haven't found the right editor. I don't know. But if I were somebody who was just getting into social media, you know, I, I listened to a very interesting live last night on Instagram live. And it was with the executive director of an app called Triller. And I know that like a lot of people know about it already, but they're kind of the competitor to TikTok. And from what I've heard, and it's not that I say on record or, but you know, there's a lot of rumors going around TikTok right now. And I don't want to really get into it because to be honest, it's all very intense, you know, when it comes to like, the North Americans like privacy and data. And, and so I, I recommend just do some reading on it and then make your own conclusion. I'm not sure quite how I feel about everything because I look at the world as one, to be honest, and I'm the most inclusive and I choose to always think that way and lead with as much love as I possibly can. And that's for every country and every ethnicity. So I don't really like any of that. But it kind of made me think, you know, the competitor to TikTok Thriller may be a really good place, especially as a musician, because they have all these partnerships with all the music labels because they're a American version of TikTok. And I think you might even get a lot more exposure if you were using that. I think it's really up to you, but I think it's really important to also do your research on what are some of the risks involved now with posting on different social media networks. Interesting. So then I guess we will see you not on TikTok, but on the new American platform coming out. Now, why LinkedIn? Out of all the things you say, you know, you post, you post first on LinkedIn. Why that platform? The reason why I post on LinkedIn is because it suits my actual life. You know, like I am a business owner and I feel like I've gone through absolutely like the ringer when it comes to people when it comes to all the like trials and tribulations of running a company day to day. I know there's a lot more millennials that are becoming entrepreneurs. And I started the company at 26 years old. It's like I, I didn't have a business background. I didn't have any financial backing. Like I had to freaking do it. You know, so how do you do it? And so I'm like, I need to talk to people about this and help them. And that's why LinkedIn, those are the people like on LinkedIn, they actually want that information. Whereas like if I post it on, you know, my Facebook, the moms and dads and, and my, my friends are just like, can you shut up? <laughs> but not Instagram. So you're saying millennials are now going from Facebook, Instagram onto LinkedIn. I mean, Instagram too. I, I mean, I think a lot of the people on my Instagram come from different walks of life. They might've seen me in the past when I used to work in, in television. They might've known my ex-boyfriend who was like kind of public. So my existing audience isn't necessarily that interested in business, but my LinkedIn audience, because it just started maybe last year, and now we're about to 15,000 followers or something like that. And they're just very niche. You know, everybody's interested in that topic like of, of business. So it's a lot easier to build that community there. 
I love it. So then when you started out, you said you were 26, you didn't know much about business. If you could go back and give yourself advice or any tips, you know, to start out, what would you do differently? Looking back, I scaled in a very appropriate way. Like I'm thinking now about the fact that I didn't go and buy a big fancy office or rent a big fancy office, you know, during this time where everybody's on lockdown, my stress levels aren't as high, you know, building a remote company, going through all this, we weren't as affected. There's certain things. The thing is, is you can't really look back on it and say like, I wish that I did this different because there's so much like you don't know. Like I could say, oh, you know, Rachel, I wish that you, you would have read more about legal before. It's like, well, you didn't and you wouldn't like until you have to go through it, you know? So I don't really know because I think that part of running a, a business is just like making mistakes and learning from them. I don't consider my mistakes necessarily like my problem, if that makes sense. Learning opportunities. That's how that's how we all learn. Hindsight 2020, yeah. right? I'm getting my MBA, but like in real life. It kind of gets pricey sometimes, but you know what? That's the best one you can ever get. In terms of the 2020, I mean, obviously new decade, COVID now going on everywhere around the world. The pandemic is global. What do you see in terms of opportunities and trends coming up in your industry or in general? Is there something that, you know, we all have to shift from maybe a new thing we got to pick up, a new skill? especially with all the time available right now. What's your opinion? I think it's just about like perfecting whatever skill you have. So, you know, if you're a carpenter and you're, you know, amazing at making like these wooden benches and tables and whatnot, like you might want to just keep honing that craft, thinking outside the box, being a little bit creative and also filming it. Like, I think that we're in the era of knowledge being another currency. So any value you can add to other people, it's, it's all about spreading knowledge, like what you're doing with this podcast. I think that a podcast in particular is a really smart way to go because people, especially millennials, they like to multitask. So I'm always listening to podcasts while I'm cooking or doing stuff. It's like, I don't want to watch TV. I can't like I can't have my attention on two things. So I do think podcasts are just going to keep growing. And I think that the idea of live streaming is, is also going to grow because I think that more and more people are realizing you can connect with people, you don't have to go out of your way and go into the cold, especially in Toronto, like you can go and just instead of FaceTiming, you might want to go and live stream on Instagram or on an app or on Twitch. And there's this great way of being able to build a community and stay connected while you're, you know, in the comfort of your own home. What is live streaming? And is it for everyone? Do you have to be a celebrity? Do you have to be an influencer? No, anyone can live stream. My brother's a Twitch streamer. He's not a huge Twitch streamer. Shout out BBJK26 if you're into Twitch. But he likes to play video games on there. And people love watching him. And he's got a few amazing fans that he like, went, he went and visited in Vegas and you know, I think it's it's being that friend. People feel like when they can see you live and know that you're consistently going to go live at a certain time, they're like, oh my God, I get to go and hang out with my friend and they're going to be there. And it's just like so fun. They're going to entertain me. And it feels like this super special experience because you like don't want to miss it because it feels like it's not going to happen again. So we have that with different mobile apps. You know, if there's anybody who's looking to actually get into live streaming, we do have a live stream team and we are always looking for performers like singers, dancers, actors. If that's something that you are looking during this crisis, uh, if you if you are looking for 
a part-time job. We have streamers, we train them, we grow them. And yeah, you could simply just send me a direct message on Instagram under Rachel David or email me. If you go to the hashtag communications, it's just like hashtag communications.com. We do have our job posting site and you can also submit through there. And there's we have a live streamer page, so it explains more about it. I think that if you're personable, you're outgoing, you love talking to people, like that's the problem with all of this is like all the extroverts are like, oh my God, I need to see people. And so this gives those people a great opportunity. And and we don't know where where the world is going to go and what diseases we're going to see. And I think a lot of people are going to become more cautious. And and they're also going to explore like, wow, there's so many other options out there. Like you don't have to go necessarily to a mundane like nine to five, like you can really build out the lifestyle you want. Like the biggest thing for me and why I wanted to build a remote company was because I got really sick. I was hospitalized about three, four years ago to the point where they never found out what was wrong. I was in the hospital for two weeks. I had 20 infectious disease doctors around me. Like it was the scariest, scariest moment of my life. You know, even my own sister thought like I could potentially, I was not going to make it. And like I was in recovery basically for three months. I couldn't really leave my bed very much. And when you go through something like that, and this was at the beginning of starting my business, I was literally like coordinating a Google influencer campaign on my phone in the hospital, calling influencers because I was like, what? This is inconvenient. And we had a lot of stuff on the line. And I realized, oh my God, thank God. Like I just couldn't actually go anywhere. So then I started looking for opportunities that I could do that was online. So you have to think of what lifestyle you also want. And because now I have a, a compromised immune system, I want to be able to work from home. And I want others to be able to work from home because I think it allows you to do other things in life that are very important, like travel and experience new things and have your own. I think people uh, have different sleep schedules. They have different times where they are most efficient. You need to be able to cater to that. And I think more people are going to realize that. And I think that's kind of the next wave of millennial run companies. I totally agree with you in terms of it has to be remote because I don't think COVID is going to go anywhere. I mean, if you listen to all of the health experts, they're saying vaccine is not going to be done anytime soon. And unfortunately, a lot of people whose immune system is compromised won't be able to go and see many people, right? Even networking events. You can't really afford to meet hundreds and thousands of people and shake hands. Uh, Getting sick is not really a preferred option nowadays, especially if you have grandparents or parents who you want to see for the weekend or you know who you want to see for holidays you just don't want to take the risk so I totally agree with you you got to build yourself in a remote way now for Mm -hmm. the live streaming you mentioned one thing that's you know being relatable is important but what is Mm -hmm. being relatable is there a formula that you have to abide by is there a trick that people can use to be relatable or to become relatable what do you think (laughs) Sure. Cough, sneeze, burp, you're relatable. Like, I remember when I first started YouTube. Yeah, except for, and I, I talked to you about this. I think that you do cut out a lot of your audience when you're swearing. You can, but you're, and, and you'll attract the people that you want to attract into your life. But I also think you need to understand, you know, your position in life, where you want to go. It's like, you know, if I want to put my cleavage all out there, that's fine. I, I you know, love my body. I think it's great. But like, I don't need to do that. 
you do you know what I mean? Like, cause that might yeah. also put people off, especially like people I work with. So I think it's the same with, with swearing. There's just some things, especially I think as like a female founder that like, you don't have the liberty to do. I'm sorry. Maybe eventually. I also just, for me, I don't think it's worth it. Like if I really, really wanted to, I'd be like, oh yeah, like I'll do that all the time. But I don't really, I, I was saying earlier, I'm like, if you look at some of the greatest comedians, like think of Jerry Seinfeld, think of Ellen DeGeneres. Like there's a lot of huge people that are also they they're mainstream, which you also have to think like, do you want to be mainstream that don't swear and they and they get really far. So that's that's that. But I will say when it comes to being relatable, one of the biggest things I learned was when I first started my YouTube channel, I was like stuttering and I think I, I had a really bad cough in one of the takes and my friend who was like I would call a professional YouTuber. He was much better than me. And he had a big audience. And I said, should I remove that? And he was like, no, put that in. I think he looked at my draft and he saw the cough. And then I removed it from the final. And he was like, why did you take the cough out? Like that actually like made you relatable. Like this is too polished otherwise. And like, it's hard when you go from working in television where everything has to be perfect to then being on the internet. It's just like a very different style. You got to humanize yourself to show people that you are human. Yeah, I love it. Now, what's next for Rachel, David and hashtag communications? What are you working on and focusing on right now? I'm focused on a few new ventures that I can't really talk about too much yet because I don't know if they're going to work or not, to be honest, but it's all in the online world. Actually, one is like very, very different than what I do now. And I'm learning a lot. I'm just trying new things. And I want to learn more about investing. And I just did like a little workshop the other day and just continuing to learn how to get better and better when it comes to even like managing people or, you know, managing finances or understanding legal. And it's like never ending right now. And in order to even start new things, there's so many things that have to be put in place in order to protect yourself, protect the company. And you have no clue about any of that when you start. So I feel like I'm just perfecting that. Like if, if you will, it's like you're sharpening your knives. You're just like getting sharper. So that's kind of what I'm spending time right now, working on a few new ventures. We unfortunately lost a few really big contracts that I was so excited to work on. That was like a pretty big bummer. But then on the flip side, we also got a, a couple of new clients in the past couple of weeks. So it's hard to tell how this is all going to play out. But that's why I'm definitely taking time to just also like not put too much pressure on myself. I'm like, you know, this is this is a hard time for everybody. And for me, if I don't want to work out one day, or you know, I want to take a little bit of extra time to watch a movie or cook or whatever, like, just enjoy life. You know, it's not all about work, work, work all the time. It's about being kind to yourself, right? Yeah, like, and just enjoying. I feel like I sometimes would just get so into my work that like, I'm neglecting other things. And I never want to do that. Because my whole reason for working so hard is so I could enjoy my life. You know, I don't live to work, I work to live. And I've always thought that. So I need to make sure that I'm always checking in with myself and making sure I'm balanced. Do you find that you work a lot more as an entrepreneur than when you would be working as an employee? I work a lot more, but I feel so much more in control. And I think I've got like a little bit of a control freak inside of me a little <laughs> bit. I don't feel like stressed at all anymore as I used to. I was like, oh my God, do they like me? Am I going to get let go? Like I was just feeling like I was on eggshells for some reason, not like with my immediate team, but like with some of the people there. And I was like, that's not a fun way to live. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely like 
work more, but I definitely enjoy my work so much more. It doesn't really feel like it. Like, what do I want to do in the morning? I want to check in with my team. I want to like see how everybody's doing. And life is kind of boring if you don't have stuff to fill it up with. So I'm fine. I work from probably the morning I wake up, from the moment I wake up until sometimes like the moment I go to sleep, it's just because I have my phone on me and I'm at home, but I'm also taking breaks and doing what I want when I want, if that makes sense. I also think that you love what you do. Obviously, you have the passion and you are in the industry where you're very talented. So do you find it sometimes that the, I guess, the line in between work and your regular life kind of mixes and you actually don't know when you're working or when you're just doing stuff that you like? I think I used to a little bit more because all my friends were like YouTubers. I think it's harder if you're like dating somebody also that is in the exact same industry. But I've learned to set the right boundaries. And I don't spend too much time stressed about any of that anymore. Because I look at it as just the momentum there. Are you do you keep on going? You know, if you're tired, take a rest, like just chill. Just be kind to yourself. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So now in order for us to all be amazing human beings, we got to make sure we surround yourself with great people to learn from. Who are your top five people or companies or maybe performers, speakers that you're following right now and learning from different industries doesn't have to be anything specific, anyone that you're really, really gaining some value from that you want to share? Number one, when it comes to my business, is probably my grandmother because I talk to her the most. She gives me like the good life lessons of how to operate and how to treat people. And, and so that's good. Now, if you don't have my grandmother, which she does <laughs> actually have Instagram, uh, Regina.Buxton, B-U-X-T-O-N. And she posts some hilarious content. She doesn't know she's posting half the time, but like, it's good. You know, if you want to like have a good cheer up day, you can go follow that. As far as like people who add value, I get this question a lot. Uh, I was thinking the other day, like, okay, well, there's this guy, Graham Stephan on YouTube. He's awesome. He's been talking a lot about like real estate and he's this like young millennial that he's great at saving money and building his life. Awesome. Gives good advice. There's this girl I just found the other day. Her name's Mrs. Dow Jones. And I follow her on Instagram. I really like her few videos that I've seen. She's just this New Yorker. I, I feel like she's quite relatable to me. Like she used to be like a big spender and now she's all about like managing money. And like, I really like her stuff. I used to be a really big Gary Vee fan. Not that I'm not anymore. I just feel like I, what happened was he did what he set out to do, which was like, I'm going to give you the kick in the butt you need. And then you're going to go run a business. And then you're going to stop watching my stuff. And it was like, cool, that kind of happened. And I think if I was ever in a place where I was like, Oh, I need to like figure this out again, and like know where I'm going. And like, you know, I need to see if I'm right in some aspect, I would go back and, and listen to him some more. I think he adds insight into even like when it comes to like investing in certain things, he probably has his finger quite on the pulse. And then speaking of pulse kind of sounds like impulsive in a way. There's this podcast that Logan Paul actually does who went through this like PR scandal about two years ago. And I was really disappointed in him. And I was like, how will he ever bounce back? And I think just from like a human perspective, to watch someone go through the absolute like the worst of the worst, like your reputation and name is dragged through the mud and kind of be like crawling out of it and just seeing how he's navigating that. And he has this co-host named Mike. I mean, he used to be addicted to drugs. He's had this like crazy story, but he's quite like business savvy. And so inadvertently without them being like, hey, you're learning because they're not 
specifically like an educational podcast. I'm just saying, I feel like I understand culture by just listening because I'm seeing how young people are acting through some of their stories that they share. I'm just like, wow, okay, that's a really good insight to know. It allows me to kind of see where things are headed you know like he did a boxing match and it was one of the highest viewed things and like these two youtubers they they had this big boxing match and i was looking at who was broadcasting it and it was this company called the zone d-a-z-n that little did i know i i didn't put two and two together but one of my closest mentors is the general manager or like the head of basically canada for DAZN. And I met with him one, one time in New York about two years ago. And he, he was like, Oh, yeah, I just got this job. And I was like, I don't know what job he just got. Like, I was it was so over my head until, oh, I watched that. And then I was like, it just gives me perspective, you know, because I think that YouTubers, in general, have to be very savvy with like, always doing the next thing, you know? I love it. No, I totally agree with you about YouTubers. So would you say you follow a lot more people on YouTube, on Instagram, LinkedIn, podcasts, what would be your preferred way to consume media? Mine tends to be YouTube. Love it. I need to get into that. I, I'm more Instagram and podcast. That's that's my preferred thing. I mean, Instagram has their Instagram IGTV now. So that's definitely been changing things. But because YouTube allows such long videos. You see, that's what I, I am just like you. I'm multitasky. I totally agree that, you know, you probably can't functionally multitask all the time. You can only focus on one thing. But mm -hmm. when I'm cleaning, I can listen. I can't mm -hmm. watch. So that's when I tune in into an audiobook or a podcast. And at least I know that I'm not missing anything. I probably also yeah. have a big fear of missing out. If I'm not seeing the video, what if I miss something important? I mean, that's the nature of what these apps want you to feel. It's unfortunate. Okay, so the final round from every guest that comes onto the podcast, what we're doing is we are asking the following. A millennial is, a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. One word that comes to my mind is a millennial is able to adapt. That's probably what comes to mind the most. Love it. We haven't had that yet as an answer. So I'm amazing. What about a millennial should be? should be curious. A millennial is not? A millennial is not your parents, which like mm. we're not. Yeah, a millennial is not a video game addict. Love it. Okay, well, on this note, where do our listeners find you? Where should they go to consume your content, learn more about yeah. hashtag communications and follow, obviously follow your grandma, but also your <laughs> next projects. Where do we find out what's next for Rachel David? The easiest thing is just Rachel David on everything. So it's R-A-C-H-E-L-D-A-V-I-D. Like I said, send me a DM if you, like, you need a job. And honestly, like there's so many things that pop up for us. We're scaling so quickly that maybe there is an opportunity. So feel free to definitely just connect. I love connecting with new people. If there's anybody who's very interested in influencer marketing and you are somebody who might want to start monetizing your stuff, I actually put together a course a long time ago. Any listeners of this particular podcast, Send me a note if you want that. It's $149, but I'll give you it for free. I'll just give you a gift code. So if you send me a DM and you want that, it just kind of like, I get all these questions from people being like, hey, how do I um, 
you know, put together a press kit. So I just like have templates in there and like just, you know, A to Z. So if you want that, it might be a little bit out of date because I filmed it like a couple years ago, but there might be some nuggets in there that, that you might want. And then, yeah, LinkedIn, any of that. And then our website, which we just got remade. I mean, I would appreciate if you go check out the website, let me know what you think. It was the first time I didn't have enough money to hire a web developer when I first started the business. So I had to make it myself. So this is the first time I've invested in building a nice website. So it's hashtag communications.com. And I helped design every element, every single thing on that page and very design forward. So definitely go check that out if you have some time and let me know what you think. I have checked it out and I will let you know what I think offline. Obviously, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for all the tips and tricks and nuggets and all your input, all the information and the energy that you've shared. Always love catching up with you. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. You can come on anytime. And obviously, you're invited once you launch the other ventures that you haven't mentioned. Once they're mm. launched, we'll have another discussion. Yeah. See how, how the investments did, too. Maybe I've lost everything. <laughs> no, don't say that. But then you'll share all the inputs about the other companies that you've put your money in and see where the startups are. Maybe, you know, you're the next owner of Uber or something else that's probably going to be Maybe big. with your help. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Well, thank you, Rachel. Thank you.